This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And speaking of union, Jay, we got two new union members. Two union, ding, new ding, union members. Ding, ding, ding. Bill That's Hampton awesome. and Michael Gins, or Gins. Sorry, I didn't get any pronunciations like normal. Everybody just goes in raw is that the right word that sounds no. that's that's that is, not right that is the wrong word that's the wrong word <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> i i've i've awarded myself a yellow flag and if i do that again i'll get a red flag uh speaking of the union uh with michael and phil we also have a union member here joining us he's got his union t-shirt on nice look at that the steering oh, can... committee that's that's a rarity right there, Jay. There's a limited number of those. I think um, I'm going to put it on the resale market and Ticketmaster. <laughs> you get Use market, price. market value. <clears throat> demand, what is it? Demand pricing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the, what do they do? What do they call it? Sliding scale. Surge pricing, like on Uber. It surge is almost pricing. the same as surge. There you go. But different. Right. So, Patrick, welcome back to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here and uh, continue this wonderful tradition you guys have of reviewing every single record that came out in the 90s. <laughs> we're making our way through them. Uh, last time you were here, I believe it was Widespread Panic. That's right. And then the year before that was Hamill on Trial. Mm-hmm. And then there might have been some more before then, but I don't have your page pulled up, so I'm just doing those from completely from memory. Uh... Had Hamill on trial, uh, Cheech Town, and before that was uh, we did tool? a tool. Oh, that's which, right, the tool yeah, episode. I almost I can't a, believe I forgot that one. But and that, that seems like two weeks ago and seven years ago. So I'm not I know sure. it's crazy. It's so weird how that time flies. So, without further ado, will you share with our audience the album you have selected for this episode? Well, I appreciate you guys taking the last minute change and doing the uh, second album by Giro Giro Gege Gege. <laughs> uh, so we're... <laughs> you. Um, what would you think of that? <laughs> well, I got a good idea what we're getting into, unless there's a dramatic uh, style shift on, this, on the next record. Hey, I listened to that whole album when, I, when you guys did that review and um, once. We did too. <laughs> yeah, it was tough, but it was interesting. There were some moments of it was kind of like watching a Andy Warhol film where the the Empire the Empire that movie where it was twelve hours of just a still camera of the Empire State Building, and then like hour four, a bird flies through the screen and everybody <laughs> goes wild. <laughs> that was the, the effect that record had on me. Anyway, we didn't pick that today. We picked. Ben Harper, Burn to Shine from 1992. It's Ben Harper and Innocent Criminals. And I believe it's the first album he gave credit to, uh, album credit to the Innocent Criminals, which was his band from That's correct. the beginning. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Ben Harper from uh, Pomona, California, 
People probably know him from the the main single in the '90s that I'm a, was familiar with is "Faded," which is from the album that came out before this, I believe. Is that yeah, "The Will to Live" will in '97? That got played. I remember. I mean, that got played on like mainstream radio for a, a period of time. Jay, do you remember that track? I don't think I do. Oh, I was this close to picking that album. I mean, I I think those that album and this album are kind of like a pair like they kind of mm-hmm. go together as far as w- what they were doing even though it was two different eras for him it's literally three i think they recorded them almost three years apart but um and he he kind of closed the chapter on the, his first three records with a box set and a live album and everything and then came out with the one we're going to be talking about which is burn to shine but yeah that faded was uh, i was almost i should have I mean, like I say, I should have picked that one. I I would love to have picked that one as well, because that is uh, just as fun and eclectic as this one is. Which and I'm what's weird into. about that record is, so his first record um, came out in 1994. Welcome to the Cruel World that was released on Virgin. All of his 90s, I think, actually into the 2000s, he was releasing everything on Virgin Records. Um, that sold about 300,000 in the u.s and then also sold in other countries then fight for your mind which is his second record came out in ni- the next year 95 that sold uh, about five hundred and fifty thousand copies now i thought that the will to live was probably the most successful one because that single but that actually dipped that went back to, down to three hundred and fifty thousand copies in the u.s that was released in june of 97 and then this record burn to shine actually went back up over half a million this is the first yeah. one mentioned it, which, with uh, the innocent criminals. I think that the way you gauged it is more accurate. I think that, you know, this album had a hit single. Yes. And it kind of fueled the back catalog a little bit sales. And I think I'm, I don't know for sure, but I think that the gold status of, of uh, which one was it? The guy gold. Was it uh, the will? No, the, um, his second album went gold, I think, but that, I think yeah. it was after this album, like it, it, it was gotcha. in retrospect. From what I know that, from what I've been told, from working with them at one point, each record sold almost twice as much as the last when it was in, initially released. So even his "Welcome to the Cruel World" record, I think, was pretty low in sales. But then "Fight for Your Mind" was double that. Will gotcha. live was double that, and then this one was double that, but then it went back and sold more. Overall, he's released 15 studio albums, uh, several live albums, uh, concert films. Uh, we mentioned Faded actually didn't chart in the US, uh, charted in Australia and the UK. From this album, Steal My Kisses, which was the second, I'm sorry, th- that was the fourth single released. Uh, that went to number one on the U.S. AAA chart and number 15 on the U.S. adult chart. Now, the, the AAA chart is um, it's a billboard chart that is adult album alternative radio stations. So I guess in, in this period of time, adult alternative would, would be like Shell Crow. Um, you know, like matter of fact, Cheryl Crow is one of the people that kind of christened that chart. That chart is relatively new at this point. I think it was ninety seven when it first was started to be charted. Yeah, that uh, chart. 
Well, actually, January 96. 96. That's okay. when it started. Yeah, so I was I was in AAA radio then. So this that was, you know, Cheryl Crow was one of them. Yeah. Fueled it. So it was Jewel. Like, because AAA was playing those records before they became pop singles. And then right. it went on to pop radio. Uh, other stuff would be like Dave Matthews, John Mayer, Counting Crows, uh, Coldplay, U2, 2000s U2 beautiful day over and over again youtube mm. like I that's what we're talking about wallflowers matchbox 20 um rob thomas featuring or santana featuring rob thomas which by the way <laughs> well I that said, was on every chart <laughs> i said about 10 times today while i was outside in the heat well it's a hot one and then katie would punch me in the face every, every... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cause I'm annoying. So as I mentioned, this was the fourth single released. Um, please bleed was, re- was the first single released. Burn to shine was the second single that made it to number five on the U S triple A chart. Also charted in the UK forgiven was the third signal uh, that did not chart in the U S and then steal my kisses is the one that went to number one on the triple A. Um, that's interesting. I would have picked that as the single, like straight off the bat, but We'll get into that in a little bit. This record uh, was followed by um, the 2003 album Diamonds on the Inside. There were some live releases in between. Um, and then he recorded an album with the Blind Boys of Alabama called There Will Be a Light. That came out in 2004. Uh, then there's a solo album. Then there's another one. With, well, I don't know if you call him solo, but there's one just with his name. It's kind of like Crazy Horse here. Like, I know it's Neil Young either way, but he's just got a different band, I guess, playing with him, whether it's solo uh, name or with a backing band. Um, he's done albums with uh, Charlie Musselwhite um, and Ellen Harper uh, on the his Prestige mom. Folklore. Is that who it That's is? A, yeah, his mom. Yeah. Okay. Was she a folk singer? She was a folk singer. Yeah. Interesting. Not, I mean, she was a single mom growing up, so she was just a home singer. Oh, but got she it. always she was actually uh, she performed uh, around town in their hometown. OK, when he, when he was little. Yeah. And his dad was a musician, too. Um, fun fact, he is the co-owner of a skateboarding uh, brand called Roller Horror with professional skateboarder Mike Yard. He's been a skateboarder his whole life. And uh, I guess he's he's like way into that. He. uh Let's see, what was it? He went to school. Uh, he was skateboarding with um, Chris Miller. I, I don't, I, that must be a professional skateboarder that I don't know when he was young. Um, he play, he's a multi-instrumentalist, but he's known for his guitar playing, especially... I, I like first noticed him because he was sitting down playing like lap steel um, and slide guitar that way. I'd not seen anybody do that except for Jeff Healy in the movie Roadhouse. <laughs> so I was not familiar with that style of guitar playing. So you're like, oh, this guy's blind. Interesting. Okay. Oh, this guy. I, I actually thought he was. <laughs> I was like, well, why else would you? Why else would you sit like that with it in your lap unless you were blind? And I was, of course, very wrong. Uh, apparently, that's a normal way to play lap steel. And I just didn't know what a lap steel was. Thus, and, it's called a lap steel. Yeah. I didn't know what one well, was it, in 1997. Yeah. Um, it, he doesn't play lap steel, but though, but he does play a Weisenborn, which is an old. So it says on his Wikipedia lap page, guitar. lap steel yeah. guitar. 
<laughs> well, you better fix that. <laughs> What's the lap, difference? It, 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 it's a it's a slide guitar. It's all wooden and it's hollow body, like yeah. hollow neck, hollow body. So it's actually just an old instrument from the 20s and 30s that he discovered uh, in his grandparents' um, music shop when he was growing up. And he just loved it because well, he first started playing bottleneck like Robert Johnson and all those guys. And then um, discovered this Weisenborn. And now there's been a resurgence of Weisenborns in, since him. And there's manufacturers uh, replicating these. Because I think there was, at one point, they tried to estimate at the guitar, the number of those guitars still remaining was around 5,000 or something in the yep. world. And then, um, Well, there were only so, 5,000 roughly in that number ever produced. So oh, it's, really? okay. it's actually much less than that. Uh, right. They don't actually so, have a number of how many are left. Yeah, it's a really cool guitar. There's there's a little documentary on on that guitar that you could watch if you if you're interested in it. But it is a a different way of playing slide because he he can manipulate every um every string and play like solos on every string whereas like a bottleneck you're typically, you know, playing a solo on like the 6 and the 1. Yeah. And um so that he just that's why he gravitated towards that one he must have electrified it to get some of his yeah sounds. that was the next thing well the first album welcome to the cruel world was almost all acoustic and then the second album fight for your mind he electrified it and kind of com- combined it he has a pickup as an acoustic pickup and then or he has two pickups in it and and he has a new number of versions of that guitar but he always runs two and then he can electrify one of them and like have a blend between acoustic and electric when he plays that's why i think it has has that warm sound it's kind of, it's not too heavy it's, it's kind of smooth and warmed over even when he's hitting it hard you know uh let's get into some comments from the patreon page we will talk about the poll at the end of this episode when we share our uh final votes final results here's what people said sean brown easy worthy easiest worthy album in a long time or in a while this was ben harper and the innocent criminals most straightforward rock lineup with dean butterworth on drums not the classic lineup but this was still an excellent band all around there's some live staples on this disc forgiven is one of my top five uh ben harper tunes of all time still a great listen from front to back it might be a track or two heavy but no worries on the opposite end gavin said yawn <laughs> that's it is gavin uh australian by chance yes okay because he uh ben harper was a big hit in australia like he before he even got any success here i think he was like pop radio over there so i think um not with gavin <laughs> no i think i i think you know anybody that's averse to Top 40 might have said, that's a top 40 guy. Right. Sure. That's the strong opinion. To be fair, if your first introduction is Steal My Kisses, you might want to punch this Ben Harper fellow. (laughs) Because it is a, it's, I mean, in the context of the album, it sits completely differently. But if you just hear it as a single standalone on the radio and you have no context, you'd be like, this is the poppy, what is this train? Like, is this Hey Soul Sister? Like, come on.
into Nashville, Tennessee. But you wouldn't even come around to see me. And since you're heading up to Carolina, you know I'm gonna be right there behind you. Cause I always have to steal my kisses from you. I always have to steal my kisses from you. Always have to steal my kisses from you. I always have to steal my kisses from you. Now I love to feel that warm southern rain. Just to hear it fall is a sweet Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm with you. I always, to be honest, I've never really liked that song until I started reviewing it for this podcast and then i realized how well crafted it was it was done it was done very well and everything in it is simple but direct and straight up pop yeah but it's a nice i like that big slide guitar or the slide bass you know i always do enjoy a slide bass (laughs) uh kyle bittner says during the 90s i was big into ben harper and my like for them capped at this album Remember really liking it when it came out, but it's been ages since I've listened to it. Revisiting it recently, I found it to be a proficient rock album when it wanted to be, but some of the slower songs dragged it down and ruined the pacing. <coughs> Excuse me. Better EP. Side note, Ben Harper's new solo album is great and worth checking out. Yes, in fact, that he just had an album come out in July, like last month. So yeah. uh good timing, Patrick. We gotta we gotta throw that into the uh, possible review hopper for new uh album reviews. I don't think it's yeah, that was the that was another that was another reason why I picked it. I mean, I was thinking about doing the Will to Live the whole time, and then I had like five other albums <laughs> I might do in the future. We could talk about one of them was Willie Nelson. <laughs> oh, nice! Which is you know hometown for Jay, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're like sure. neighbors. Oh yeah, you like Although sometimes you like Jay borrows sugar from from Willie, and it's not really <laughs> sugar if you know what I mean. He lives in Spice or uh, yeah Spicewood, which isn't too far from me. But Willie's no, got I didn't that, pick this. Willie's got that good stuff down there. He's got like a whole neighborhood of houses. Yeah. yeah. He, does he have like a cul-de-sac? And like he, he's uh, the only one who gets to play in the middle of the cul-de-sac? Kinda, kinda. Like <laughs> for his whole family, he's got like a whole like compound of houses that's like a suburban neighborhood that's just the Nelson family, I think. It's it's the gemstones. willie noison's gemstones (laughs) oh my god that's hilarious uh dewey cole said saw them open for blink 182 oasis and bush at the night night 98 x stole christmas 99 this 98 x is what what where city was that i don't remember but i know that 98 x sounds or 89 x 89 x not 98 x it's detroit right or is Is that detroit or toledo 89x sounds like it'd be midwestern uh the set list was very um burn to shine heavy and i became a fan from that set alone i love the entire record but but please um but please bleed and forgiven are the best of the bunch can't wait to hear this one. Oh, i think 89x was the cool station in windsor canada yes and if you the, the if the wind was just right and the weather was just right in cleveland you could pick it up and in and in Toledo and yeah. Bowling Green, you could pick it up too, because that's how I, I remember like people in Windsor knew Catherine Wheel. Mm-hmm. And they had they had like when we went to see them in Detroit, there were like Canadians there. I'm like, what are these Canadians doing here? Freaking Canadians. They're hockey. They're hockey I, hullabaloo. I, I, I'm remembering the mythical 
89X, which is now a country station. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> New country or old country? Oh, I'm sure it's <laughs> I'm sure it's not old country. Not. Yeah. Uh Bill Davidson said as a rock singer as rock singer songwriters go ben harper is above average but i never made a point of getting to know his music there's a very laid back pace to all of his songs maybe it's not fair to compare him to jack johnson but i will anyway ben's influences are easy to spot i hear classic rock folk rhythm and blues cat stevens voice in front and center on all tracks except woman and you where he seems to channel curtis mayfield the hard fuzz riff on less Seems like a nod to 70s hard rock metal. Burn to Shine reminds me of Leonard Skinner's What's Your Name? Uh, mm. The vocal melody on Forgiven sounds like some late 70s Peter Gabriel album. Beloved One could easily fit on Cat Stevens' T for Tillerman. Steal My Kisses is familiar. I'm sure I heard it on radio. It's a decent single, but also sounds like something Jack Johnson could have released. Who is this Jack Johnson fellow? I must have completely <laughs> missed this man. I thought he was a boxer from like the 1920s. Uh, apparently he was a musician around the time of the, this Ow. was happening. <laughs> yeah. He's, does he have a sing- song? Oh my gosh. Yeah. He sold millions of records. Yeah. Uh, actually Ben Harper discovered him T- technically G loved it. And chips interview revealed that as well. But, um, cause he put him on a single, he, uh, rodeo clowns. Um, those Jack Johnson's very first recording session was with G love doing rodeo clowns. And I think Jack Johnson wrote it. Um, and then Ben Har- then he didn't have a deal or anything like that, but he did put a demo together and Ben Harper got a hold of it, handed it to his tour manager, and his tour manager ended up producing the record and getting it started. Yeah, Brush Fire Fairy Tales, very big record. You that'll be you'll you'll see that next to Matchbox 20 in the charts and oh. that kind of thing. <laughs> Maybe that's why I, I didn't know of it. And it just kept going. He's very popular. Uh, with the triple a crown uh bill continued along with the old time jazzy Susie blue and the bluesy show me a little shame the three songs will make a good ep but i'm leaning toward this being worthy album i think burn to shine showcases enough varied songwriting to make his 12 tracks a good overall listen it's probably too mellow for most of the dmo union i guess we'll find out and finally ian mciver Ben Harper is the only show I've walked out on. These comments are like <laughs> night and day. Like, I love it. And the next one is, I want to burn this man's house down. Like, they are just not happy about this or they're in love with it, which is going to be an interesting poll. Uh, he was headlining one of the nights at a music festival. I have no, no idea why the Pixies were on before him and weren't headlining that night. The following night was Nine Inch Nails on the final leg of the Wave Goodbye Tour in 2009. Apparently, that's what he walked out of. Um, the album does nothing to change my opinion, and I would only use the CD as a coaster. You, That might be a new ranking, Jay. Worthy coaster? album, better AP, decent single. Fuck coaster. it, it's a coaster. coaster. <laughs> or fuck it, coaster. That's brilliant. Uh, we, I, I'm sure we all have used CDs in the past for coasters. So. <laughs> Some of my own. <laughs> yeah. How many Stepford 5 CDs I got sitting in the basement? Right. Trust what me, else you those for? I've, I've thought of many art projects for those things. <laughs> I got like 70. I'm just dangling up from the ceiling so I can yeah. shine a light down there and make it look like a disco hall. Jay. Yeah. Ready to talk about this record? Let's do it. All right. Tell me one thing you liked about Burn to Shine by Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals. 
I like the the combo of the soulful kind of 70s vibes. Um, it's a little bit more moody. It's got some grit to it. Um, it kind of reminded me of Sean Smith a bit. And, and when I like um, about his solo work, some of the stuff he did with Brad, I mean, I liked everything he did. But when he hit that sort of sweet spot between being you know, kind of dark, but very much in a like classic, uh, classic seventies rock slash soul space. And then it's, I think this record also has, um, just kind of a, a moody overtone to it. You know, uh, some of the songs are, um, a little slower, take some time to develop. I think vocally he does a lot from being able to go from, you know, really compelling falsetto to kind of a bluesy voice to, um, you know, really belting it out. I think obviously his voice is front and center and he covers a lot of ground. Again, I think going back to a lot of references that were in the comments and what I've made to like 70, 70s and 60s uh, style singing, which is uh, cool to hear here. Um I like when they mix in some different flavors too. There's some interesting sounds that pop up like little xylophones or just some of the effects he uses on the guitar. There's the different guitar tones switching from super fuzzed out, you know, pretty overdriven to clean to acoustics to um, even different styles of playing, like using slides or picking finger picking or using picks. There's just a lot of like nice little changes in the, sort of the the tones and um sounds that pop through throughout the record uh and i like how the record ends uh, you know for the most part it's um up until the last couple songs there's a generally a formula there in terms of um how the band is coming together you know everybody everybody's represented on most of the songs um at the end though it, beloved one is a really simple kind of piano uh, tune that that I really liked a lot, and then it ends with with a song that in in the Lord's arms, which is pretty much country, which was kind of nice to hear. I think again, it kind of shows his range and being able to deliver um, that as well. You've got that mix of mandolin and acoustics and violin, which I think with his voice is is the right place to be. I think those t- types of instruments make a lot of sense for the way that he sings. So um, it kind of ends on this really um a little bit simpler note too like the the whole band isn't there it's not quite as bombastic or uh it's a little quieter and i kind of like the way that the, the, the record ends like the winds stolen from an angel like petals gone from a rose like a dove caught in a storm tonight he is in the lord's arms the wind it blew straight through us and whispered
What do you think, Tim? Oh, I, I, I just want to back up for a sec. The fact that you brought up Sean Smith shows that we have like a hive mind thing that's been going on for <laughs> so long. Like I was listening to the transition from the woman in you to less. And I was like, this kind of reminds me of equilibrium into uh taste it on, on Satchel's EDC where you've got like this sort of like building uh bluesy, yeah. like gets, gets noisier at the end. And then there's this chugging guitar part that that's in the next song with, which sounds like a drop D riff almost. Mm-hmm. And I, I nobody else would have gotten that <laughs> comparison. <laughs> uh and and just like the overall vibe that you mentioned where there's a throwback to the sound that you know was paying homage to 70s rock and and soul and R&B and the mixture of those things. The thing obviously that he's a really cool guitar player. Um some of the tones are I I don't know if it's because like you mentioned with running the clean and the dirty tone at the same time, um, if that's maybe the cause of it, but like the guitar tones always have like a layer to them and it's not, they just sound really different. Um, they don't just sound like a, you know, a dirty, uh, you know, distorted Marshall amp or, or like a jangly fender or something like that. Like there's, there's just something else maybe. And again, it, cause, because the guitar he's playing with the, um, the wooden lap guitar just is, might be producing weird, you know, overtones and whatnot, um, as opposed to, uh, you know, a regular electric guitar. Uh, so throughout the record, that's to me is like what's really interesting and him shifting his styles, playing, you know, songs that are clearly blues influenced. And then you get things, uh, what was it that, uh, that uh bill the old time jazzy <laughs> Susie blue uh which actually i i was it sounds like it's something you, you would hear down on like if you're down in new orleans during uh during mardi gras yeah. like that would definitely be playing it, it's uh it reminded me of um big bad bill from van halen's diver down <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> the clarinet and i was like oh my god is that right, the clarinet uh, comes in. is that uh Eddie Van Halen's dad playing the clarinet. <laughs> Jan, is that Jan Van, ha- Van Halen on the clarinet? Um, I do have to talk about the the thing that sticks out the most is "Steal My Kisses" because it's such a blatantly catchy. You know, you take that song off this record, it's a it's a very different record because "Burn to Shine" is probably the the hookiest song then in terms of a you know what a big hook that would get get caught in your ear um but then this is a very like a very bluesy guitar record you add steal my kisses i mean that is like some pop level songwriting that i'm not i'm surprised i haven't heard like a bunch of gen z people copying that on tiktok and doing their own <laughs> versions of it because Man, that is a catchy song. Like a catchy in a way that like I'm I don't like it because it's so catchy, but I recognize that it's like a really good song. That it but I wouldn't like kick it off the album because it's just a really good song. But it it would like my nine year old would hear it and be like, I think it's a new single. You know, it doesn't it does not have any rust on it at all. Um so yeah, I there was quite a bit that I liked. 
So in picking Ben Harper, Patrick, um, you said you were down to this and and the previous record. Uh, what were the things that made you pick this record over the Will to Live? Well, I have to admit it was it was it's your influence, Tim, <laughs> between those two records because I think the I, I do like the Will to Live as a better. I think it's a better album for me. And it's just as eclectic, like each song kind of has its own uh, influence from a different era, a different style of music. But on The Will to Live, those, that eclecticism is pretty much in the circle of like blues and soul and reggae and um, gospel and all of the African-American culture um, musics. And this one steps into a lot of other directions, like the Tin Pan Alley kind of thing he said, and and the country song, and um, the you know we didn't even really describe what what Steal My Kisses is, but it's a straight up like beatbox song. I mean, Juan Nelson, a bass player, is doing the the percussion with his mouth, and they the the percussionist is actually sitting on a box and slapping the the beat. They call that a beatbox too, I believe, right? And then I imagine them sitting like, uh, like Nuno and Gary in the <laughs> more than words with ponytails, with ponytails, because <laughs> right. he's like sitting like at an angle where he's like kind of sitting up a little bit, like he could have a bongo between his leg if he if he wanted to. <laughs> well, there's a that's a slap box, you know, that's mic'd on the inside on the outside, and he does he performs that in live as well, but. And then Ben Harper is just not rapping. That's the only thing that it's not. This is not a '80s rap song because he's not rapping. He's kind of sing, you know, bounce singing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, all these different elements, I think, just made created a different, different style of eclecticism. And I think there's a heavy, at least in the first half of the record, Led Zeppelin influence, and and. Mm-hmm. I know you're a Zeppelin fan, so I think that was the deciding factor because I just wanted, I thought it would be more of an interesting discussion, even though I might like the other, the first three albums better than this one, in my opinion. But, and I know they were going for something different here. They were literally, he was literally trying to do, move into a more of a rock direction and, but keep the eclecticism because he's known as the blues guy. And he started off as a folk guy because he didn't want to be blues you know he was doing blues at a young age when he got to his first record he goes i want to make it more folky to get away from the blues well then fight for your mind came along and it's an incredibly you know that's a long blues guitar thing and then when he finally got to this third record he's like i'm gonna mix it all up and but he still has blues elements but he was going for an artistic direction of eclectic eclecticism is going to create something else uh other than just the songs you know there's something that connects the songs together that makes it compelling to listen to for me uh, you know taj mahal i know it was one of his main influences it was a folk blues guy from the 60s and all the way through today and i think if i'm not mistaken taj mahal was the first person to put ben harper on stage if i i might get i might have that wrong but Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, I think uh, we've talked about a few of the other ones. All of those feel, those feelings come up in the record and um, having the back 
history and understanding where all of these songs, these moments in these songs come from, um, it just becomes, it just creates a bigger meaning in the songs that Ben Harper sings because you can feel, you feel what, what he's reaching back for when he's, you know, tapping into Marvin Gaye or something, you can feel the energy that, that comes from the history of that music. So I think that that creates what I think is great about the music and why I listen, why I continue to listen to it. The, the Zeppelin call out is interesting. I was hearing in a song like two hands of a prayer, just the, if you listen to the acoustic part and just the mood of that, especially the verses, it almost sounds like a Metallica song. Like it's super minor, you know, it's really dark sounding. Yeah. Um, even the loud part when they come in, like aspects of that remind me of like a mellow Iron Maiden song. Like there's a classic rock thing going on here slash metal thing that like, I, I think maybe they were listening to Zeppelin or going for that, but it like t- at times almost translates to a different, uh, yeah, more metal kind of feel or something. And that's Dude, it's I, just that one I, song, but totally agree with you when they get to like the five minute mark yeah. and there's this riff there's like an acoustic riff it's like dun 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 it's very like it, it sounds like orchestral mm-hmm. it has and they're like ah <laughs> and you're like what like what is going on here this is <laughs> like like it's like progressive rock or or metal or something is it yeah. but it's not like then you would have like a, a triple, you know, guitar and, and all sorts of mm-hmm. chaos and stuff, which is not quite what happens in that song. Yeah, I was hearing a lot of 70s. And when you said Led Zeppelin, I totally agree with that, Patrick. Like, there's definitely a vibe of that. And I think that's maybe in some of the, maybe it's just in some of the percussion and, and or not percussion, but in the um, production, it's the space that's in there. Um, and then, yeah, it's just some of the, there's like a lot of very minor and dark metalish note choices that happen or, or are just, you know, just little parts like that one I just mentioned. Well, even songs like uh, I think less, um, forgiven. They get the those. I'm guessing he's pl- he's playing a distorted slide, which is going to be tuned down probably or different tuning, and you get that almost metalish sounding riffage going on, mm-hmm. even though it's super blues oriented. Um, so there's definitely some heavy-ish moments here with the guitar parts. Uh, yeah, and I think that's fascinating because 
it's never like too loud you know what i mean it's like it's it gets to that metal place but it still has that what somebody described as a negative on on the patreon poll as uh like there's some sort of mellow aspect to it. And I think that comes from the resonate, the resonance in the, in the guitar itself. You know, it's like, he's, he, you know, the, he, it's open. I think it's open tuning. Oh, yeah. It is open tuning. Cause he's lifting up and down when he's playing that slide. But that, and of course, if nobody's caught on so far, when he sits down, he has two pedals. <laughs> so that's why he's sitting when he's playing, you know, you don't have a lap if you don't sit down also, but, um so yeah i think when he hits those heavy stuff that heavy stuff it still has that smooth sound to it except for a couple that you mentioned like in less he just hits something real crunchy that's comes out of nowhere real industrial crunchy towards the end of the song but yeah i love that part of it so i i think i need to transition into what didn't work okay (laughs) okay um on that same point there's something weird for me about when the band, I think when the song is to me supposed to be loud and intense, the guitar and the vocal is loud and intense, but the rest of the band is, it sounds weird. And yeah. I think you're, you're translating it to like, well, it's, it never crosses that line. It kind of stays mellow to my ears. It feels like not un. it feels unfulfilled or like not complete. There's something weird about the, the production, um, maybe the playing. It's a very dry mix. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the drums often have nothing on them or a weird, they'll just have like a weird delay or um reverb on the snare only. Um the bass tone is at times fine. Other times when he hits high notes, it kind of gets it doesn't have any grit or oomph to it. Um so I don't know. I found myself in those songs where where things would get intense vocally and the guitar riffs would get heavy. Feeling like we hadn't quite, I don't know, the rest of the band wasn't stepping up into that feel um, and or the production wasn't serving it. Now, you know, maybe that's what they were going for um, and trying to, you know, have a different kind of take on the idea, but it just felt incomplete to me um did you pick up on that time yeah there was some weird on certain songs it wasn't everything but like when the guitar was louder it felt separate like in the way that like a vocal would be louder in a a certain mix um as opposed to you know a, a a buried vocal um there were times where the guitar was also like up um yeah it's i couldn't really put my finger on it but it does have like a separation thing happening that's that's weird um yeah like less the the riff at the end is just like so heavy and the vocal it almost reminds me of like 90s king's x um but the band sonically is just sounds like they're in another room like they're just not like it's not I as bombastic as I would expect it to be for how intense the vocal the guitar is. I think that's like the jazzy aspect of what they do because it. I don't think they're out there to to pummel people, but I do think that when they get intense, especially when when he goes off vocally, 
Um, I and, and to talk about something real quick about what I don't think works about the record. I I think the vocals are mixed way too high for the whole album. Like mm. they could just been brought down a little bit, and things. Some of that stuff would have been more balanced, I think. But I think that's just. I think that when you said that's what they're going for, I think that's what they're going for. Cause I don't yeah. think that that's their intentions to pummel people because when Ben goes and does his screams and you can see this represented live as well. It's like, he's breaking out of the box, you know, like it's, it's like, he's, that's part of his personal um exasperation is to break out of what they're doing and scream like some some punk scream or something like that and i think that's just part of the makeup of what they plan to do with their music so it's not you know straightforward or you know it's never straightforward rock you know even the the most pop rocky song on the record the title track is there's something different about that too. You know, it doesn't, doesn't, it's like a dry, perfect driving song, but then it's not, you know, life is a highway <laughs> or, right. you know, it doesn't have that um, blatant driving song sound to it. You know, it's like a driving song within a different realm, you know, but that that's what makes it interesting to me because he, it's like one, one of those, you know, going back to the Virgin records, release and i don't know what this means but they when they signed ben harper in 1994 they signed him to a lifetime contract you know what that means is it literally a life <laughs> like never he, heard of it no that, never well, heard they, of thing. so he got signed to a lifetime contract before his first record so i think he off the bat was like look i'm i can do something different and i don't need to um try to find the norms in rock in order to get you know, get where I want to go, but we're going to get somewhere or we're going to get to the place going in a different direction, you know? Um, and I think that like permeates pretty much everything they do, you know, there's just something different about every, every approach they do, even if it sounds familiar or um, something like you've heard before. Um, somebody said Leonard Skinner. Oh, go, go ahead, Tim. Did you, well, do your... I, I just wanted to, because we were talking about the production, does the name J.P. Plunier or Plunier uh, mean yeah. anything? That's the guy that um, produced Jack Johnson's record. Well, he's been basically Ben Harper's only producer yeah. for his career. He's also done the artwork, um, and he's co-written songs and played on albums. So I'm guessing there's some sort of like friendship there. But he yeah. has no, basically, be, be, other than Jack Johnson and Ben Harper, he has no other production credits. Yeah, I think he's just like part of the band, but not on stage. Because when I, I was think, thinking cause... back to the previous record and Faded, Faded's guitar also sounds like what's on this record. Like the, the mm -hmm. sound isn't that different. And I remember like liking that because it was a different sound. And I didn't really think about the fact that like the whole record was going to sound different. I just thought it was like diff something different for the single with the, slide guitar and stuff but now having heard it on a whole record i see how different the production is um in a way that i, I you know i didn't when i was younger but it's interesting I, that he's been the only production only producer like, there, there is a documentary that came out right when this album came out 
um, by Danny Clinch, who probably everybody knows at this point. And he, he, JP is in there and he talks a lot like he's Ben Harper's uh, twin, you know, like we do this, we do that. We look for um, value and, and different st- We try to create a different style of music on every song and that kind of thing. So, and I, I keep using the word eclecticism because that's something that permeates my personality ever since I came of age and I started listening to world music and I, I discovered that country music doesn't suck if you listen to the right stuff and, you know, things like that. Sure. So I, I adopted this eclectic lifestyle where I thought that there's something there if you keep pushing different buttons there's there's going to be surprises that pop up everywhere and so when he talks about it i'm like this, i understand what he's talking about like they're looking for uh the connections or, or the or surprises that they can that they can come up with when they don't have to follow what people are expecting them to follow and he talks like that in that documentary it's a pretty it's a pretty good documentary that came out i think it was a companion to this album uh, called Pleasure and Pain, or it came out shortly after. But they talk oh. all about this album. Yeah. Okay. Um, as far as what didn't work, uh, the one thing that I, I was a little bit off put by is the record starts slow and ends slow. Like you, the woman in you eventually builds up towards the end of the song. Um, and I like what happens between sort of three and 10 for the most part. But I got, I got, uh, when I was replaying the album over and over again, and I basically had four songs in a row <laughs> that were all slow because I would end the record, then start it right back over again. Um, it, it, I noticed it. I noticed how, how much of this record is kind of slow. Um, and that in trying to figure out, well, which ones work for me and which ones don't, I found that I was like not in love with a lot of the slower stuff on this record. What about you, Jay? Was it, was the up-tempo stuff working for you or the slower uh, tunes? No, I like the slow stuff. Uh, I thought they did a good job keeping it uh, pretty interesting, even though the, you know, some of these songs are pretty long. We're getting the five, seven, long, seven minute long territories here. Right. But I don't know. There's a, his, I find his vocal so compelling that, and some of the atmospherics and things that they're doing with extra instruments and things. Um, just enough to keep it interesting, even when, this, even when the songs are slow. In fact, I don't know. I translate when they're slower to also being a little darker and more somber, which I like better than Steal My Kisses, which right. when the tempo starts to come up, then you get into this other place where it's like, oh, we're now there, there's butterflies flying around and we're picking yeah. daisies like i want to go back to like the dark place um so steal my kisses and burn to shine which are actually you know faster tempos i don't like as much uh in fact i don't like steal my kisses at all even though i can appreciate the songwriting um i kind of prefer this band slower i think hmm. yeah i think in and if you're it's hard not to hear the lyrics. I'm not a lyrics guy at all. Generally, like 99% of my songs, I don't even know what they're about. But it's kind of hard not to hear it because he's so emotive and so um, 
direct and repeats catchy lines that have an interesting meaning to them. Um, and so when, just to go, this is like 1990. So I, I, I had been listening to him for a few years at this point. I didn't, it had a live session with him at the radio station and talk about the dryness real quick. Um, so I was the engineer for the live studio session with Ben Harper and Innocent Criminals. And they started warming up and Ben turns to me and says, take the reverb and delay on my vocals and just turn them off. And, you know, I was like, you know, young and, yeah. and I was, but I had done a bunch of radio sessions and I'm kind of thinking, well, I know how the radio sound, you know, I know how yeah. it sounds on the radio. I kind of, you know, so I, you know, it shut off for a second and I started burning to a low level and then i kind of wetting it up a little bit and i'm listening to it and we're still in sound check but i can hear what's going to go out on the on the air and then it just snapped at one moment i'm like what the hell am i doing <laughs> this is this is what he wants like he's ben harper he yeah. wants a dry vocal so then i shut it off completely and i'm like that's interesting because then listening back to his first three records that's his vocals were dry as a bone like there's yeah. nothing on them. this record you'll hear some effects here and there, especially on like woman and um, alone at the beginning of the record. That, and that creates a little bit of more of a mood, but, but then, you know, that's what, um, you know, like um, uh, what's his name <laughs> that sings lean on me and uh, another lovely day. And Bill Withers? Bill Withers, Bill Withers, dry vocals. You know, a lot of times his records freaking dry or live performances. You just hear him sing dry, you know, Yeah. and even Marvin Gaye at some point, you know, some, some of his sessions, you listen to those and his dry vocals like, wow, that does have a different feel to it. Cause nobody does dry vocals, you know? Right. Um, anyway, so, uh, but the getting back to the lyrics, because lyrically everything, everything kind of work, everything works together. The, the, all the emotive, uh, lyrics and, emotions and and you know this album is pretty dark as far as like content he's going through anger and hatred and and breakups and all kinds of stuff throughout the whole record and so when when i first heard the term emo which is like around this time right 1999 i don't even know but i'm like emo what is emo because i've been listening to emo a long time ben harper is freaking emo it's emotions <laughs> i mean he's singing emotions and then when i hear the examples of what emo is i'm like hmm this sounds like a tv show version of emo patrick contends ben harper was the first emo band <laughs> no i mean hell, you know we could go I th yeah. what about michael jackson he's crying in his song you know on uh off the wall isn't that emo crying in a song is emo right so it goes back as far as 1979 but uh no so uh frankie valley just, invented just, emo <laughs> frankie valley um the second half of the record is much more eclectic i think the first five songs are pretty like uh emotionally driven rock, hard rock songs and you know with a toned down you know tempo in some points and but i think when when it the second half comes along that's when everything kind of and that's why i think 
I agree with with uh, what Tim said. Steal my kisses kind of has to be on this record just to keep the feeling going in different directions. You know, that was that's a pretty important piece of the puzzle. Um, the ending, though, the last two songs, um, beloved one, is like the perfect wedding song. Yep. Even has strings and uh, the pianos, violins. We have both been here before, knocking upon love's door, begging for someone to let us in. Knowing this, we can agree to keep each other company, never to go down that road again. I heard it was every breath you take by the police is the perfect wedding song. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't studied the lyrics, uh, but the last song is like a funeral song, you know? So it's like a wedding yeah. song followed by, fun- you know, in the Lord's arms is, I think it's about his dad. Cause I believe his dad died at that point. And he, he was a abandoned child as he knew his dad for a few years. And then he was a heavy alcoholic, abusive person. And his parents divorced when he was five. And, his name was Leonard Harper. I believe he was um, a accomplished musician and a poet and everything. There's an interesting fact in that uh, documentary that said about his dad. He wrote all these poems, like hundreds of poems, but he wrote them all on um, paper plates so that you can just stack them up and take them wherever he goes with them. <laughs> so he always has a stack of poetry in, in his plates. Um, brilliant guy, but I guess just abusive and, and, you know, you know, tormented the kids and, you know, Ben will say we did a lot of running as kids, a lot of running away. And so you can, I think, you know, tying that, you know, knowing what he's singing about in that funeral song or some sort of memorial, it, you know, kind of touches a lot of different bases, you know, emotionally. Way more than some of the emo records I listened to. <laughs> well, we're not going to get anything a, wrong with emo. We're not going to get into a debate over emo. The, I, the internet can do that for us and define, <laughs> continue to attempt to define uh, what that is. Anything else you wanted to add, Jay? Uh, or no. are you ready, ready to move on to our? I, I think I've, I've. That's all I got. Okay. Let's get into our final ratings for this album. Were the album better EP, decent single? We put this to our Patreon community, and we will share those results in just a moment. Jay, where do you land? I'm going to be at an EP, uh, Alone, The Woman in You, Two Hands of a Prayer, Please Bleed. Um. Show me a little shame, forgiven, beloved one, and in, in the Lord's arms. You could also say that that's a '70s album, which I think 
considering the style, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, so yeah, there's some things in the middle there that I drop. Uh, don't love the upbeat stuff. And um, I split on the rockers between less and forgiven. I think forgiven is more successful, even though I think less could be really cool with a different mix. So I'm in an EP. Where you at, Tim? I'm also at an EP, but I have some different uh, songs. Uh, I went with the rockier stuff. Um, I started with, uh, I went with The Woman in You, Last Two Hands of a Prayer, Please Bleed, Burn to Shine, and Forgiven. That's my EP. So now I can get rid of Steal the, uh, My Kisses because <laughs> I no longer have an album. <laughs> um, but this makes me want to definitely check out some other stuff because I knew I liked Faded. Um, I did just never gotten into any of his other stuff. It just never occurred to me. Sort of like, I think one of the Patreon commenters said that too. Like I always liked it. I just never bothered to get into it. So I am, uh, if you're not going to take a swing at it, Patrick, I will take a swing at that new album that came out for maybe the box uh, album reviews so I can hear what he's up to now. Oh, Curious if you bothered to put any reverb. Or re- reverb. <laughs> reverb. 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 I've heard reverb. about this thing called reverb. Uh, reverb. It goes on your vocals. <laughs> the vocals. The vocals. <laughs> yes. Why, why did I say it like Jenna Maroney from 30 Rock? <laughs> reverb. <laughs> the cabinet. Sounds fancier. I will get the camera and take a picture of the cabinet. <laughs> Uh, all right, Patrick, where the um, album better, better EP? What do you What do you got? I'm gonna go with where the album. Uh, again, I I think the first time I revisited it and listened to it all the way through, I'm like, ah, it doesn't gel for me as an album as well as many other albums. And I can't. I couldn't have picked "Fight for Your Mind" because there's way too many slow songs. If you're too <laughs> These this had too many slows. I think there's 14 tracks on that record, and and probably nine of them are slow. And but there's some yeah yeah and and the vocals aren't as diverse as that on this record. Uh, on those first two records, are pretty much he pretty much stays in the same vein. But the will to live, I think you're gonna like that one, Tim. Even though it de- there's nothing else on that record that sounds like faded. Uh, oh, but okay. there's a reggae song, there's a funk song, there's an old time bluesy song. Sounds like it was recorded on a single mic in 1940. Um, and there's a f- straight up funk song on that record. And then there's some I like rock. funk. Yeah. Um, anyway, this album I think is consist after I listened to it three or four or five times in a row. Uh, show me a little shame. I might cut just for brevity but it's fine it's it's the only real elements of gospel that are on this record or a little bit in there um and it's a slow blues song so that's that's cool but it's not I, i'm i'm okay with cutting it i think forgiven is probably my favorite song um it didn't used to be but it became my favorite song over time i think that one just like jay said i think it works a lot better than less although less has got interesting elements to listen to as well so i would keep them all but i think you're right it's it's tough to listen to lots of slow songs but and i think in general if you listen to ben harper and innocent criminals a lot you'll get tired of them that i think it it's more of a for me i like listening to them 
and and putting them away for out for a while, coming back to them. Same thing with some other bands like Radiohead and things like that. I I can't listen to them a lot, and they I just get tired of what they're doing, you know. But um, to be honest, that's every band. There's no band well, it could that I have listened to every day <laughs> for my entire life. Uh, that's true. <laughs> as much that's as true. I love many different bands, uh, I've definitely put them down for a while. Um, well, let's talk about our Patreon, uh, Patreon folks. They were split. This was almost down the middle. 40% went with Worthy Album, 20% with, with, with EP, and 40% went with Decent Single. So Jay and I are actually in the min- uh, minority with this vote uh, with the EPs. Yeah. And uh, so that's uh, we, we could have called that probably from the comments. The comments were kind of one way or the other. Yeah. Very polarizing. So, yes. This was the, um, you know, in, in it's called the third rail of politics here in the United States, but there's certain things you don't want to touch. Is it if it's the third rail, it electrifies you and it's dangerous. You get shocked. Uh, <laughs> like talking about uh, the third rail of, of uh, and of, dig me out is of, Ben Harper. Is Ben Harper. <laughs> it's what we've learned. I thought it was seaweed, but okay. I don't know. Maybe it's seaweed. <laughs> it, are there any more seaweed albums from the 90s that we could possibly review? Because I'm surprised uh, that it hasn't been suggested. Sure there yet. is. Yeah. Someone, for those who don't know, maybe you're just joining us on this particular episode. Uh, Jay and I have reviewed two albums by the band Seaweed, and both times uh, we have disagreed. And I'll just leave it Oh, yeah, they got uh, a record in 99, a record in 92, a record in 91. Let's just do all those in a row. There's just like a a month of Seaweed. Bring it. Seaweed month. (laughs) So let's just make Tim hate music for a month he can only listen to seaweed can tim survive this next month only listening to seaweed if he went if he goes the entire month and successfully listens to seaweed he gets one million dollars if he doesn't he gets his arm shut off some of those ben harper records will probably and undoubtedly get uh probably a hundred percent uh single because they're just way out there like he did a full gospel record you know with the are you assuming i don't like gospel i'm saying on the patreon (laughs) board okay uh i'm just thinking that there's very few people that are going to listen to a gospel album in a rock centric board and say oh yeah that's the one um the the album he did with his mom was the folk album and a lot of the songs she wrote and he wrote some songs and it's just two acoustic guitars sitting on a couch singing you know uh i i personally i hope it's not directed to me i do like people who play acoustic guitars and are you know singer songwriters it just has to be like the right song that's all and the right voice right um yeah you'd hate it (laughs) 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 just joking but I did want to show you this. I don't think. Let me see if it even shows up on my screen. Uh, probably not. I have to turn it off. Got there. Is that an autograph? I yeah, see. Well, a bo- is that a box so we, with an autograph? I got them. Uh oh, my headphones cut out. Um, let me turn this back to will blur work or none work. Just put it in front of your face. There you go. So this is. Oh wow! Correct. Um, box set. Yeah. So when I was um, at the radio station in 97, I think it was 97 when we uh, had him in, he was playing 
Horde Fest, I believe, at at Polaris. And so I got to got to do I did like a pre-interview with him and talked to him a bunch. I was hanging out with him for a couple hours. There's actually let me jump back real quick. There's a funny story. This tells a lot about some diehard fans in in every circle. I was out eating with my wife somewhere and somebody walked up to me at, at the restaurant and said, Hey, you're Patrick Testa, right? From WCB. I mean, yeah, I heard you're going to have Ben Harper on your show. And I said, yeah, I had no idea that anybody, you know, I, I probably told some people at the club I was working at, so it might've gotten around in a circle or something. And I, and she says, I'm a huge fan. I just love him. Love him. Can I come in? I said, well, we're not having fans in and you know, this is, uh, you know, that's just not happening right now, but maybe next time if we, we bring him around the second time, maybe we'll ask if we can bring fans in. And so she said, well, I love him. He's a vegetarian and, you know, he just, he stands up for everything that I believe in and all this stuff. So, you know, fast forward to the day he's there and he's going to hang out with us after the recording set or it's a live session, but it's going to be recorded. And, the, and hang out and eat lunch. So I suggested we order some pizza. And so somebody looked up a vegetarian pizza shop in town or whatever. And so as soon as Ben got there, I said, hey, we're going to order the pizza now for lunch. Uh, what would you like on it? I want to make sure we get it right for you. He's like, uh, how about sausage? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, the, the diehard fan uh, knew everything about him. <laughs> but, but, th- but that. Um, anyway, super cool guy. I identified it with him very quickly. We, we just talked about all kinds of stuff. He, I played it on my show. I was playing a song by Corey Harris called, um, uh, Barry Owens blues. And he's listening to, he goes, Hey, that's Corey Harris. Right. I'm like, yeah. It's like, what's the name of that song? Is that Barry Owens blues? And he turns to Juan Nelson his bass player. He's like, we got to have a song with blues in the title. We don't have a song with blues in the title. We need to have a song with blues in the title. So, I, and I think it's on, um, I think it came out on uh, uh, Diamonds on the Inside, but he wrote a song called Brown Eyed Blues, which is a great song. But it, I had to have stumped, you know, I feel like it stemmed from that moment in time. So, um, we did the recording session, we hung out. And then after I had a birthday coming up, and my uh, music director ended up calling. Ben Harper and had him send this to me for my birthday, which was fabulous because he signed it and it was something that wasn't out yet, but it's a three, it's all three of his first albums and, and, and more stuff in there uh, on vinyl. And um, so I wrote him a thank you note back and put a CD in there that I thought would be cool that he might want to revisit. I said, I'm sure you've listened to this, this artist a lot. But whenever I listen to you, I think of her and it's uh, Nina Simone's The Blues compilation. It's just called The Blues, but it's a lot of Nina Simone songs from the late 60s. And um, on this tour for Burn to Shine, he started playing Nobody's Fault But Mine. Now, it could be a Led Zeppelin reference, but it's also on that um, Nina Simone record that I sent him in the mail. So who knows? You know, it's one of those things like if you're a fan, you always think you can have some sort of input on, on your musical uh, interests, lives, you know, and it feels like those two things might've had something to do with this visit to Columbus. So 
You're like the puppet master. You're pulling all the strings. You are. You're pulling the strings. Well, did, did, uh, tell us the story about when you introduced him to uh, Lauren Dern. Right. <laughs> well, we were on a set of the movie. <laughs> we are on a set of Wild at Heart. Dinosaur dung. No, she had her hand. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, but yeah. I, and I also had the idea for um, Metallica to, to join the orchestra. <laughs> oh, that was you. On that one. Way yeah, to go. Oh, good God. <laughs> Um, I do want to point out that uh, that box set is kind of a rarity. Is it really? You can get you can get some cash for that if you ever want to part with it on on Discogs. It's like a handsome yeah. package. Can I yeah. get a new driveway out of it? <laughs> uh no, not a driveway. It's not driveway level. It's not Prince's The Black Album. This is uh, <laughs> this is more like you could get a really nice dinner at. Ruth Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> you know. Oh, and I, I actually I have two copies of Fight for Your Mind. Um, because and I just I saved the post-it note. This is from the original um Virgin Records rep in Columbus, Ohio. And he put the put on there my favorite artist on Virgin Records. He's the Bob Marley of our generation. I saved the post in there. I can't see it now, of course. Is it is that a double album on vinyl? Uh, Fight for Your Mind. Let me see. Yes, double album. I got two of those. Uh, again, you could make some cash with that. Really? Not a lot of double album vinyls released in 1995. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to sell it in Japan, it's Eight trillion yen? <laughs> no, that's not. I don't know how much. Yeah, the only way you can get it right now is Japan. Wow. Oh, that must have been a rare. Uh... Oh wait, no, there's another one. What's this pressing? Oh, forget it. It's not even for sale. That's. I the... have the only one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have the only one. Um. Patrick, thank you so much for bringing this record to us and getting us to uh, getting us some Ben Harper on the show. I don't feel like sure. we've ever really talked about Ben Harper. So this starts. The no, conversation. I like to mix it up. I, I, I like to throw some things out there that don't get so much, um, you know, airplay on other discussions. Even the styles, you know. Yes. We need to thank uh, all the folks at co- who commented over at Patreon, Sean Brown, Gavin, Kyle, Dewey, Bill Davidson, and Ian. Uh, if you would like to join us at Patreon, you can go to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com for as little as two bucks a month. You can join the union. You get access to our Discord uh, chat space, hangout area, it's, uh, where the cool kids are. Uh, it's like it's like uh, it's like that place in Days to Confuse where everybody hang, hung out and they played like foosball and drank and apparently it was totally cool to do that in 1976 or whenever that was. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, it's we such also... a cool place, such a cool place. Everybody should join. I mean, not everybody. It's not the cool kids. Don't feel like that the they're smarter than you, but there's some lot of smart people <laughs> in that group, and it is fun. Because uh, everybody's respectful of one another. Yeah. I mean, they're passionate about what they like, but they're not passionate about um, hatred, which most of the rest of the internet is about. (laughs) Well, my favorite thing is that when people are, there's a section for what you're listening to. 
and it could be anything that people yeah. listening new stuff that I've never heard of, stuff from other genres that I'm not familiar with, old music that you know somehow we missed it. Um, but there's just such a weird and wonderful variety of music that comes up that, that people are listening to. It's always um, exciting because I'm always finding new things that I never would have listened to. And it's not the uh, snobby record store kind of vibe either, which you might think describe mm-hmm. hearing what we're describing here. It's yeah, that's yeah, pretty much to... anything. Anything goes. Yeah, it's like all the people shopping are actually talking to each other, right? And, and not the <laughs> not the snob at the at the counter, right? Given shitty looks, Although, shitty looks every for, time he's checking for a while out. there. There was a lot of top five things going on or top ten things, going on, <laughs> like in high fidelity, but that's not the norm it's right it's more yeah well you got to sprinkle it in every once in a while for the for the uh the mainstream audience that's how it goes <laughs> right uh if you would like to suggest an album which get voted on by our patrons you can do so by going to digmeoutpodcast.com going to the suggest an album page drop it in the form and each month now we are doing a multi week poll uh nine episodes for three weeks in a row that's 27 two winners out of each and then the final week of each or final month final week of each month we do the six champions or or or, uh conference champions going into the six-man super bowl the (laughs) six-team super bowl and out of that will become one we've already done two months we've done june and july's uh picks so uh there's new poll up now for August, which you can get in on so many albums from all over the place. I think the new one has like Bon Jovi in it, and Uh-oh. somebody got real mad about that. Who who suggested Bon Jovi? <laughs> that happened. Hey, man, yeah. any, anything goes. Bon anything Jovi go- we've already talked about <clears throat> Skid Row, Guns N' Roses, Extreme, <laughs> Motley Crue. Yeah, all, right. All the nineties. Like, wh- why can't we add some Bon Jovi? They to would it? be a good in the nineties candidate. Yeah, but to mix it up. I mean, some of the other bands in the same poll: Enigma, Dead Guy, Chapter House, Svengali. I mean, it's all over the place. Wait, is Enigma like that, like Celtic, like dance I think, music? I think so. Yeah, it's like ambient groove kind of like stuff that you would see on like a late night commercial. Would be like soft grooves, and it would be like <laughs> Enya and Enigma. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Which one wow. was it? the The big one, the the main album, which I think M- was just called MCM XCAD. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the yeah the year. It's uh, I don't remember one. what the song is, but I feel like I can feel it. I can feel the vibe of it. It's like yeah. the ocean is is giving me a hug. <laughs> you know, you, you'll know it when you hear it as well as you know Cantaloupe. If you remember, <laughs> Us yes, three kids. of course, we know Cantaloupe. Uh, we uh, mentioned the box newsletter earlier. The box news- newsletter goes out every weekend with a calendar of new releases of music, movies, television, and books relevant to the '80s and '90s that we cover on this show. Plus, uh, we try to get two reviews out, one-minute reviews of uh, new stuff that comes out every week. Uh, we've got we're talking about new records and and occasionally a TV show or a documentary stuff like that. There's a new uh, documentary on Netflix that I might throw up a review for called uh, Trainwreck 99 Woodstock. Guess mm-hmm. guess guess where that one goes based on the name Trainwreck. <laughs> no spoilers. No yeah. 
Uh, it's not about Kyle Gass's uh, side project ban uh, from Tenacious D. It's about Woodstock 99. Finally, if you uh, enjoy what you hear on this podcast, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Dig Me Out.